Let's talk about something near and dear to our hearts, our furry companions. Life is full of unexpected twists, just like the ones we love to uncover about our favorite celebs. But sometimes those twists involve our four-legged friends. Imagine navigating the unpredictable world of pet parenthood, where every day is a new adventure. Our partner, Spot Pet Insurance, wants to share a message to help make sure you're prepared for any unexpected curveballs, whether it's a sudden illness or an unplanned trip to the vet. Spot Pet Insurance can be your secret weapon against the unexpected. With Spot, you can get up to 90% cash back on eligible vet bills, helping you with those surprising expenses that seem to pop up when you least expect them. But wait, there's more. Spot Pet Insurance plans go beyond just offering coverage for accidents and illnesses. You can enhance your plan with their preventive care benefit, ensuring that routine wellness, vaccines, and more can be covered too. Head over to spotpet.com today to get a quote instantly. Trust us, it's the easiest thing you'll do to help secure the well-being of your dog or cat. Visit www.spotpet.com today. Paid ad from Spot Pet Insurance. Waiting periods, annual deductible, co-insurance, benefit limits, and exclusions may apply. For all terms, visit spotpetins.com slash sample hyphen policy. Insurance plans are underwritten by either Independence American Insurance Company or United States Fire Insurance Company and produced by Spot Pet Insurance Services, LLC. Hi guys, I'm Emma. And I'm Isabel. And welcome back to another episode of Comments by Bravo. Hey, Iz. Hi, Em. This episode of Summer House lived up to the hype. When we sat here last week and we were really anticipating it, we were so excited. It checked every single box and I was a proud viewer. No, this is exactly what reality TV is made for right here, this kind of episode. And ending on a to-be-continued cliffhanger, this is the first time in a long time that I've seen Bravo use it in a way that I felt like, okay, this is really going to be to be continued and I am on the edge of my goddamn seat. I know. It's like we had seen enough from the preview that we knew it was going to happen, but we didn't know exactly when it was coming. There were so many little dynamics. Oh, we'll get into that in a few minutes, but God, was that a fun watch. That was a moment where I was sitting there saying, wow, I feel such a sense of gratitude that we have a podcast. Yeah, me too. So obviously, immediately we need to get into this New York news because I would honestly consider this groundbreaking. I would consider groundbreaking. It broke on Variety. I'm not kidding. The minute that we uploaded this last week episode, and I don't even know, I was shocked. Yeah. So just to recap, although I'm sure you all are very aware, the solution that they basically came to is that there's going to be two separate houses of New York. So there's going to be a completely fresh cast for the regular show. And then there'll be somewhat of a Houses of New York legacy. And that will include any current or former housewives. So it could be a Ramona, Leah, Luann situation. We could also include a Dorinda, Jill Zarin. We really don't know yet. But that was kind of the solution. And I think it's a very interesting one. Yeah, I think this was a creative way to correct the problems of last season, which I think we all can agree was an epic fail. I mean, I feel like Bravo feels a lot of creative freedom ever since the success of Miami and of Ultimate Girls Trip on Peacock, whether or not both or neither of these end up being on Peacock, I think just the ability to sort of format things in a completely different way has allowed so much breathing room and for them to come up with some sort of solution. Also, I'm not complaining, double New York Housewives content. I mean, are you kidding me? You know, in the interview that Andy did with Variety, he was very hesitant to kind of give any details about who of the former cast would be coming to the legacy season. And I don't know if that is that he was hesitant or he really just doesn't know yet, but that is going to be very interesting because clearly this decision and this solution was made based on Bravo kind of finally listening to the audience. Not only was this cast not representative of New York, but second of all, this group of women just were not jiving. And so will Bravo answer the calls to fire Ramona? I mean, I honest to God, have absolutely zero idea. I My guess is almost non-existent because I could see it going either way. I think you're right, though, that there haven't been decisions made. Like, I truly think that this is just the solution that they came to and they wanted everyone to know something is coming. It's not going to be tomorrow and we're going to work out and iron out the details, but this is our plan. So I don't think there's anything that Andy would be able to reveal because you're right. I don't think he knows himself, but I will say I like this roadmap and I think that they can make something really amazing out of it on both, both shows. Yeah. And I actually think in terms of just listening to the audience, I think that if you polled 
a group of diehard New York watchers and you asked who from a previous season would you want to bring back? In addition to Dorinda, I do think the number one answer would probably be a Jill Zarin. I'm removing Bethany from the conversation just because I don't think that that's at all feasible. And we know for a fact that Jill is willing. So my one prediction is that there will not be a legacy season without Jill Zarin. I actually refuse to believe that there will be a legacy season without Jill Zarin. If anyone didn't see, Bravo posted the news and wrote a whole caption about it, and Jill just commented, at Bravo Andy, with the phone emoji. It's funny because in the Variety article, I don't know if Jill saw this or not, but there's a paragraph that says, though there's no official title for the show yet, Cohen said it's being referred to internally as Roni Throwback or Roni Legacy. As his in-depth interview with Variety below makes clear, Cohen declined to say who might be on the show, but does expect Jill Zarin to be the first person to call him. Affecting a perfect Zarin imitation, Cohen says, Jill is going to be like, am I getting my Apple back? And then (laughs) she comments it. Right on cue. Right on cue. And then she comments on our post, it's true. I know. It's like, I'll put it like this. Clearly, the main source of my excitement is coming from this new cast that they are putting together. That is what I'm really thrilled about. However, trying to understand their decision-making process in terms of who from the legacy season they would bring back is also going to be very interesting to watch, almost from more of an analytical perspective. Oh, yeah. There's a lot of sticky sort of relationships and dynamics that go into that. But I feel like this is the opportunity for them to really, really revive New York because we are two women that live in New York and watching last season did not feel like the city that I step out into. So it will be really fun and exciting to sort of see a show that feels more representative of what we know and love so much about New York. Yeah, it's it's a cool, diverse city that is filled with a lot of fascinating, intelligent people that have a lot of money and I think would really want to be on a show like this. So yeah. just fingers crossed. I don't know. We'll see. Obviously, we will let you guys know any details that we find out. But what we're hearing internally is that they really have not come to any decisions about the legacy cast. And I'm not just saying that. Right. Okay. Before we get into Summer House, quickly wanted to touch on Karen Huger's spinoff. What a star. This just makes me happy because you know Bravo is not giving spinoffs to people that they don't have such deep belief in and also that they don't think the audience will be dying to watch on their own. So this validation for me as a Karen Huger stan, but also for Karen just as the member of a show is, I mean, it's incredible. And I also think it's going to be so great to watch because it feels like it will be a two-part special, a long version of when she went home to Surrey County. The working title is The Real Houses of Potomac, Karen's Grand Dame Reunion. And a quote directly from Karen is, this is a story about family. This is a story about history. This is a story about succession. And if that doesn't give you chills, I don't know what does. (laughs) Like I said earlier, I get more time with Karen Huger. I'm happy. Say it with me. And Karen Huger, we trust. In Karen Huger, we trust. Amen. Amen. So Mother's Day is coming up, and I know sometimes it can be difficult figuring out what to get your mom, because realistically, no gift is going to do justice for how much you love and appreciate her. But I'm sure you've done the classic, you know, bathrobe, candle, sweaters, gift cards. If you're looking to mix it up, I want to tell you about Aura Frames. So they were named the best digital photo frame by Wirecutter. And it's just the kind of gift that is guaranteed to bring joy because realistically, there's nothing our parents love more than seeing us. So for them to be able to see more of us, even if you don't live close by, like that is probably the best gift you could give a parent. They're Wi-Fi connected. They come with unlimited storage. So you can share as many photos as you want from your phone to your mom's frame. And it's easy to set up. It takes about two minutes to set up a frame using the Aura app. We have one in my kitchen and... Every time my dad comes down for breakfast, like it just makes him so happy. There's pictures of me, pictures of me and my parents when I was little, pictures of my grandparents. Like I think as a parent, you never get sick of that. And it's just the kind of gift I know she will love. Right now, Aura has a great deal for Mother's Day. Listeners can save on the perfect gift by visiting AuraFrames.com to get $30 off plus free shipping on their best-selling frame. That's A-U-R-A frames.com. Use code CBC at checkout to save. Terms and conditions apply. So I know we're all kind of operating at a different skill level when it comes to makeup. Like I have some friends who they do their makeup and it looks like they got it professionally done. I have others who know nothing about any products. And then I would say I'm somewhere in the middle, like by no means am I very skilled, but I think I can hold my own. 
And in terms of my everyday, I'm just doing mascara, lip gloss, and maybe a little bit of highlighter on my inner corner. So if I'm only using a few products, I need them to be excellent. And I've recently been very into the Thrive Cosmetics mascara, which I'll tell you about in a second, but just in general, a note on the company. For every product purchase, Thrive Cosmetics donates products and funds to help communities thrive, which I just love knowing that I'm buying from a company that does that. And in terms of their mascara, so it's the Liquid Lash Extensions Mascara. You guys have seen that. It's the viral turquoise tube. I've saw it all over social media before I ever started using it. And it's a unique formula that creates tubes around each eyelash to lengthen them. It's also super easy to remove. So it slides right off with warm water. It doesn't leave smudges. And the ingredients are really nourishing. So they support longer, stronger, and healthier looking lashes over time. It really just gets the job done. Like you will see what I mean when you try it. Refresh your everyday look with Thrive Cosmetics, luxury beauty that gives back. Right now, you can get an exclusive 10% off your first order at thrivecosmetics.com slash CBC. That's thrivecosmetics, C-A-U-S-E-M-E-T-I-C-S dot com slash CBC for 10% off your first order. Okay, let's get into this episode of Summer House. Are you ready? I have never been so ready. To be clear, I want to talk about Kyle and Amanda's prenup. I want to talk about Maya going on the date. I want to talk about what's going on with Andrea. However, I will physically combust if we don't immediately get into the Sierra, Lindsay, Danielle, Paige situation. It's too urgent that I can't have a whole lead up. We have to just get right in. Yeah, let's do it. Okay. I mean, listen, for lack of a better word, this was an absolute shit show. Like I said in the beginning, we knew where it was headed, but we didn't know exactly how we were going to get there. So we very clearly watched how this escalated. And I got to tell you, there was no world in which it didn't get to this point. I'm not saying that if I hadn't seen the preview, I would have necessarily thought there was going to be a glass throw, but I thought there was going to be a lot of yelling because there's no way that there could be this type of passion on both sides and have it not boil over. There's so many things that go into this fight. I mean, we could literally spend the whole episode on the factors of how we got here. But to me, the things that really stand out are, number one, the lack of relationship that Lindsay and Sierra have ever had, and that there's not really any love or sentimental feeling or respect there on either side. So that makes a fight immediately dirtier because, you know, you're not trying to skirt around or try to preserve anything. And number two is almost the like... (laughs) Not the riling up, but the stirring of the pot and the encouraging coming from the sidekicks, a.k.a. Paige and Danielle, who are, you know, so team Sierra or so team Lindsay and really feel like you are so right, like she is so wrong. And they are the sounding boards and they are as passionate, if not more passionate than Lindsay and Sierra. So that to me has sort of like, you know, propelled things forward more and then they're all sitting there with an audience and then just overall Austin being such an absolute dick and not making either of the situations better and coming in making things worse and leaving without resolving one single particle of an issue so that to me is why and how we ended up where we are yes that was actually an excellent synopsis and I'm glad you did that because I feel that the scene has been set yeah I mean as you're watching it you are still in a complete state of shock that this is all over Austin Kroll. I mean, you're really sitting here saying, this motherfucker? Kroll the warrior king? I loved when we had that realization a few weeks ago and we were like, you guys are going at it over at Kroll the warrior king? (laughs) There's no (laughs) way. This motherfucker doesn't even have his name as his Instagram handle. No, I cannot. Okay, let me try to organize my thoughts here. And I guess one of the first things that I want to say is whether or not I agree with it is irrelevant. I don't believe that it is an act on Lindsay's part, the way that she expresses this complete lack of care towards anything Sierra is saying. I don't think she's doing that to try to appear cooler or above it. I genuinely think she does not care in the way that Sierra wants her to or feels that she does, which from Sierra's perspective, I understand that that's frustrating, but I have to just, in my objective opinion, say that I don't think Lindsay is doing that to rile her up. Maybe a little bit. Maybe she's intensifying her apathy to maybe get a rise out of Sierra, but genuinely, I don't think she gives a shit. Before I continue, why don't you respond to that? Because (laughs) I'm going a mile a minute in my mind. Absolutely. I think Lindsay doesn't feel any sort of allegiance or draw to Sierra because they never had that relationship. And honestly, I don't think Lindsay was specifically interested in, I don't think Sierra was ever either. I think now that this has come to a head, Sierra sort of feels like there's this 
mutual respect that needs to be had for your coworker slash housemate slash, I don't know, acquaintance friend. But it was never there before this. And now, I don't know, Sierra feels almost like she's rewriting the narrative of that they had some sort of relationship when they never did. But also, the lack of blame being put on Austin is really annoying because he was there for Lindsay's birthday. Lindsay did whatever the fuck she wanted. It's not the first time that anything has happened between the two of them. It won't be the last. And I just wish more than anything, he was there to have this conversation. Yes, it was incredibly frustrating that there was very legitimate upset coming from Sierra. I felt for her, but I felt for her even more that she never got the opportunity to express it to the person that it really needed to be expressed to. For Sierra, I actually think it would have on some level been a more fulfilling conversation, even though, I mean, direct counter argument to the point I just made is that on last episode, she kept trying to talk to him and he was relatively dismissive. However, if I'm comparing him to Lindsay, I do think he would have engaged a little bit more. I think Lindsay's complete lack of engagement almost became infuriating, which I understand. But then from Lindsay's perspective, it's like, why are you coming at me? You know what I mean? She, she, I really think in Lindsay's heart, she feels that she owes Sierra absolutely nothing. And while I very much understand if I'm Sierra, that that's upsetting, that's dis- disheartening, and that feels disrespectful. If we go to the Vermont house for a second, I think that Sierra similarly felt like she owed Lindsay nothing. You know, I think that they both kind of feel like they owe one another nothing. And the only difference is that Sierra has built up upset and resentment towards Austin and Lindsay doesn't have it. She doesn't care. The same way I think that she doesn't care that much about Sierra, she doesn't really care that much about Austin. She does in the sense of she cares about the friendship and she likes the fact that he views her favorably. But the way that Sierra is kind of in her feelings about Austin, I think is something Lindsay used to feel. And she's now on the other side of it. I think Sierra feels like there's some sort of girl code that was broken when, yeah, maybe me personally, if I was in that scenario, I'd have a little more empathy just because that is my personality, but it's not Lindsay's. And Lindsay is very, what works best for her. It's just not her style. And you're right. There was a flip-flopped element of it in Vermont So Lindsay sort of feels like Sierra set the president for how they're going to handle this weird love triangle relationship. But you're right. The difference is Sierra cares a lot about Austin and Lindsay loves him, cares about him, would probably hook up with him anytime, but she's not distraught over it either way. And that's what's really hard. And then at the end of the day, Austin is the one who is making you feel like this. If you guys have something special, like you say, he should have treated you that way. He shouldn't have made out with someone else. You know, It, it feels reminiscent of when a guy cheats on a girl and the girl goes to the other woman's house and like burns her shit to the ground. And it's like, no, your boyfriend is the one who cheated. Yeah. I see. My thing is that I so get Sierra's frustration, but when she said to Lindsay that this was her getting back at Sierra for Vermont, I personally didn't view it that way. I'm not saying that that wasn't somewhere in Lindsay's mind, but to me, it wasn't that she was getting back at Sierra. I think that the way that Vermont was handled by both Sierra and Austin really just intensified Lindsay's already pre-existing belief of like, well, fuck it, then I'm just going to do me. You did you, I'm going to do me. Not in a way that she was trying to get revenge, but just more so like, I'm going to follow your lead. And it got really, really messy. And if you look at it, it's really just getting messy because even though Sierra doesn't want this to be the case, she likes Austin. She, for the life of her, can't figure it out either. She's kind of in our boat. She sees that he's a dick. She sees that he treats her wrong. She's embarrassed by it, but sometimes you can't control how you feel. And so I think she's just so deeply frustrated. And it's unfortunate that Lindsay was the target because yes, Lindsay was there, but God, it, it's it's at Austin. It's not at Lindsay. She's not the one. When Lindsay said to Sierra, I wasn't thinking about you at all, actually, like kind of under her breath while Sierra was giving her whole side of the story, I thought at first, like, oh, that's like a fucking like deep dig, you know, like that's probably the meanest thing you could say. But then I thought about it and I was like, you know what? It's probably 100% true. She wasn't thinking about Sierra. She wasn't thinking about anybody. She thinks about herself. And unless it was like literally she wasn't going to go hook up with Kyle, Amanda's fiance, but it wasn't like Sierra was at the forefront of her mind because there hadn't been that much going on. And by the way, that is also a reflection on how little Austin spoke about Sierra, was giving her attention, was hanging out with her, like everything. Lindsay was reading off of those cues and in that moment felt like, 
well, I don't even need to think about Sierra. That's how removed she feels to me from the situation. Yes. And then to kind of bring in the Paige and Danielle of it all, when Paige says to Lindsay, and I quote, I think regardless of what happened last weekend with you and Austin, you could have had sex, a baby, the fact that you knew she was upset, meaning Sierra, and then Lindsay chimes in and says, I didn't know you were upset. That's a little bit bullshit. I mean, she knew that Sierra was upset. Sierra repeatedly kept trying to speak to her when Austin was there and Lindsay was having no part of it. So that I won't believe. However, again, Paige, when she's taking it from this angle to try to get Lindsay to care about Sierra's emotions is a battle you're not going to win. And that's sad to say. Of course, I think that as a human being, we should maybe care about one another's emotions, especially as women. But Lindsay's just not going to do it. She doesn't give a shit about kind of really anybody but herself when she considers it to be a relatively low stakes issue. And this is something she considers to be a low stakes issue because she doesn't think that she did anything morally wrong. And that's where this is coming from. Like, I think Paige is trying to come at it from a perspective that it's just never going to connect with Lindsay. No, it never will. And it's hard because I think both Paige and Danielle see both Sierra and Lindsay's side so clearly that it's hard to see it from the other way. And it almost has made it into a really divided two against two issue, even though it's really just between two people. Yeah. I mean, Danielle is fiercely, fiercely loyal. And the reason that you saw her getting so heated here was because she was basically experiencing the emotion that you would have anticipated Lindsay to expect. Like if you were just walking into this, you knew nothing about the characters here and you heard that this was a fight between two women over a guy, right? That's like the most top level analysis, even though that's not really accurate. You would assume that the other woman in the situation would be equally as upset, but it's not. Danielle was matching Sierra's level of upset because, again, to my previous point, Lindsay is apathetic to this entire thing. She doesn't give a shit. It's like they say the opposite of love is in hate, it's indifference. I honestly think she was sitting back and watching. Yet Danielle was then getting frustrated and upset on Lindsay's behalf. And so, like, it almost became a mismatched fight between Lindsay and Sierra, and then a very aligned fight between Danielle and Sierra in terms of the level of passion. Right, exactly. Because Danielle was now also getting more upset about the way Sierra was saying things and things that she was saying about Lindsay and also just being tired of the whole situation, watching it from an outsider perspective. I mean, I think if you had told Sierra before sitting down that she would end up getting in a fight with Danielle and Lindsay wouldn't even say more than 10 words, she would have been like, what the fuck are you talking about? Yeah. And just to go back to last episode for a second, because it kind of sets the scene for what I'm about to say. We saw last week how Sierra repeatedly kept trying to have a conversation with Lindsay and Lindsay was not having it. And in Lindsay's defense, Sierra was really choosing the wrong time. And in Sierra's defense, Lindsay, I think, was being slightly disrespectful just in her complete avoidance and unwillingness to even acknowledge it. But this week when she's sitting down with Maya and Danielle and she's basically saying, listen, I'm 35, Sierra's 25, and she kind of has to realize that I kind of don't give a shit, basically, obviously, I'm I'm summarizing here. It's not that I disagreed with that point. I understand where she was coming from. And I think there is something to be said for that 10-year age difference in terms of just you care less about these types of things as you get older. That being said, I think the same argument could be used on the flip side of like, if you are 10 years older and you want to draw on this wisdom you feel that you have, I think there's a certain level of just like respecting someone's desire for a conversation. And even if you never want to admit any wrongdoing, even if you don't think you did anything wrong, because I don't believe that Lindsay thinks she did anything wrong. And I think a lot of people wouldn't think she did anything wrong. I'm not even saying she did. I think that there's a basic level of human respect to just engage in a conversation with someone. And that is the one part of her argument that I didn't agree with. Like when she's sitting there saying that to Maya and Danielle, I think there was one more level she could have gone in her mind of just like, you know what, maybe let me take my wisdom and just sit down and have a conversation with this person. I I felt that was a little bit wrong and came across as slightly disrespectful, even though I don't think either of them were fully in the right here at all. I wonder if Sierra had brought up the conversation with Lindsay at a more opportune time than in the middle when they're drunk and it's Lindsay's birthday, when she just was not having, trying to have a conversation with anybody about anything. It, if it would have gone a different way. I don't know. I don't really think so, but I just am curious if that played the biggest role in why they didn't ever spoke about it. And also to me, one of the more interesting things too was Lindsay's perspective on the Vermont situation, going back to that for a second and saying, 
he wanted to give you a fair shot. That's why things went down the way they did versus Sierra thinking that, you know, we had such this connection and that's why you weren't even in the picture. Right. And if we take that a step further, it's not just his absence of being there. And it's not just that the person in front of you is an easier target. It's also the very real conversation, which is if you truly acknowledge Austin for all of his flaws, I'm saying as Sierra, you then have to come to terms with like, okay, well, what is it about him that I'm drawn to? And that can oftentimes be slightly more difficult because you then have to get in touch with a part of yourself that is maybe being drawn to this person for the wrong reason, which can oftentimes be really a hard pill for people to swallow because you're trying to almost suppress that part of yourself. Like, I think it's a lot deeper than just what appeared on screen. It's deeper than just a wine toss. Really, really, and for both of them, not just for Sierra, also for Lindsay, really digging to the root of like, why is Austin's approval so important could potentially bring up some things in their own lives in terms of just their issues with men. And I think that can be sometimes very, very difficult. Not to get all like deep about it, but I, to me, that's so clear. Yes, absolutely, yes. Also, wait, one last thing before we get into Andrea and the few other plot lines. I saw a lot of conversations online of people being really displeased with Paige this week, feeling like she was kind of stirring the pot. She was being an instigator and then she was just stepping back and watching almost Sierra take the heat and getting all riled up in this moment. It's And that's interesting. I'm not saying anyone's wrong. That just wasn't my almost perception of it. Maybe I'm off because that was the overwhelming take that I saw. Oh, that's so interesting. I didn't even see that. I felt more like she was just really having Sierra's back and also has seen Lindsay pull shit like this time and time again. And although she's never personally done it to Paige, she has witnessed it a bunch of other times and sort of felt like, Sierra, this is your moment. Like, say what I've always wanted to say, but I never really had the grounds to. Like, you know, go out there, do it, get it off your chest, and I feel like it will make you feel better. And also, it's what's best for you. And that's really what I felt. I felt that Paige was just more unfazed by Lindsay's behavior than Sierra was. And maybe that's just because she's known her for longer. But again, like I said, what I saw online was a lot of people really disagreeing with Paige. That that just wasn't my view of it. But again, like we always say, that's okay. That's why we all can have different views and I respect everybody's. I don't know. I, her behavior wasn't offensive to me, but that's, I don't know. We all watch it through different lenses. Can we talk about cute little Andrea crying at the end of the table? Yeah. And you want to know the most telling moment of this episode where in the midst of this whole thing, Amanda is the one that gets up and goes to check on him. She is such an empathetic person. I know. And little Luke and they go outside and talk to him. I just like, I wanted to give them all a hug. I know. I really came around on Andrea. I mean, the way that I viewed him on Winter House was like he was a total cheese ball. I thought he was full of shit. I was not into what he was selling in the slightest. And I have a completely new view on him. I find him to be a very deep person that is in touch with his emotions, is not afraid to show them. And I think that he operates with a lot of kindness. I, I don't know. I really like the guy. And that's not just because of how good looking he is. No, I, I absolutely love him. I did a full 180 on him as well. And I'm just, I don't know, he brings a lot. And I also think a lot has to do with his closeness now to people and his comfortability around a lot of people in the house and his comfortability on camera and He's just, he's a great person. I love him. Yeah. And I mean, I don't know what the most recent update is, but as of what, two or three weeks ago, he was with Lexi. So you can tell that, yeah, those emotions were real. I mean, he wasn't bullshitting. I was happy that it comes full circle. I love when that happens. It's kind of a crazy situation though, that you're watching Andrea get emotional at the table and Paige is there for a brief moment kind of comforting him while he's sitting in the middle of her and Craig. And like, to be clear, I don't think in that moment he was in love with Paige or anything like that. I think that the emotions he was feeling towards Lexi were really what was going on. But, you know, it definitely doesn't help the cause. It's a little bit of salt to the wound that the woman that you previously liked is now sitting across the table from her basically boyfriend that she kind of chose over you. Like it's, it's a lot. I think it was just a moment of being overwhelmed for him. Yeah. I don't think a lot of people can say they've been in that scenario, but they all handle it so well. And I love their friendship beyond all of it. Yeah. I mean, Craig walks into the house and Andrea jumps on him. Like there was a world in which this went very, very differently. And a lot of that comes from the fact that he, 
doesn't have that toxic masculinity that a lot of guys do, or at least I don't feel that he does. Yeah. How'd you feel about the prenup conversation? Oh, I don't know. I'm just like, there have been so many prenup conversations. I'm a little over that plot. I do think for them specifically, it's interesting, especially when he's bringing it up that his investors are asking about it, probably because they don't live under a rock and know how toxic their relationship is and that it's not sort of like, I don't know, smooth sailing. But I get Amanda's side. Not so much of that I think a prenup is like planning for a split. I sort of think that they're smart. However, I do agree with like, wait, you've had three years. We've been sitting around like postponing our wedding and you're going to ask me now like a couple weeks out and now we have to rush to do this and I haven't thought about it. Maybe not be done the way that I want it to be done. Like that's pretty annoying. I would say that 99.9% of the time I am in favor of a prenup. I mean, we watched a few weeks ago when Teresa was on Watch What Happens, our all collective panic over the fact that she wasn't planning on signing one with Louis. So in general, I think it's a really smart, great thing. I very much agree with you that the timeline is beyond frustrating and kind of just par for the course in terms of the way Kyle typically does things. But second of all, there was a very like non-logical side to my view of this whole thing that was, I guess, coming from more of an emotional side of like, are you fucking kidding me? I've put up with all your bullshit. You better believe that if this ship goes down, I'm taking half your shit and I deserve every penny. I understand from his perspective, totally. I don't think he's crazy, but also like if I'm her, that's the very, that's the least he can do for her. Right. No, I know. The whole thing is fucked up. I'm curious to see what actually goes down if they sign it in time and what happens really. Yeah. Wow. I cannot wait for next week. This is riveting television. They are keeping us going and it's just, it's a beautiful time to be in the Hamptons and I'm, I'm glad to be doing it with you and all of you guys. And the impending hurricane. I was actually in the Hamptons this weekend that they're there and like everyone's phone is buzzing because the, they were in the eye of the storm. And so to feel that sort of anxiety and pressure while all this shit is hurricaning in your own home. I mean, it's like, it's pretty insane. It's no joke. It's no it's, joke. There, Yeah, there was some furniture flying for sure. For sure. Apartments.com believes the dishwasher does more than just clean plates. It turns your whole place into a time machine by turning the time you would have spent washing dishes into extra time for you. That could mean more time to read, more time to knit, or more time to contemplate the vastness of time itself. With Apartments.com, finding somewhere to live with an elusive dishwashing slash time-expanding device is easy. And listen, we all have our non-negotiables in terms of what we really want when looking for an apartment. I know for me, natural light has always been really important. I just know myself and I am a happier person when I have that natural light throughout the day. And I also told myself that in my next place, I will definitely have a washer and dryer because you just can't beat that convenience. And I know it can be hard to find, but when you find it, I think it is so worth it. Apartments.com hosts the most rental listings with over 1 million available units. And with comprehensive search tools and instant alerts, you never have to worry about missing out on the perfect place. To find whatever you're searching for and more, visit Apartments.com, the place to find a place. So I'm a big fan of transparency across all aspects of life. Like generally speaking, there's pretty much nothing I wouldn't rather be told straight up. But specifically when I'm buying something or paying for a service, I just want to know what I'm getting myself into. And oftentimes there can be so much nonsense or so much yada yada. For example, sneaky terms hidden in the fine print of contracts or bills that randomly go up without properly alerting you or budget airlines with cheap fares, but then exorbitant fees to make up for it elsewhere. And we just should not need to be dealing with this type of yada yada in our lives. And yes, you could read every single word of every single contract and that's one way of avoiding it. Or you can go with a trusted brand like Metro by T-Mobile It helps you to get ahead and not pull you back. That's right. You don't take yada yada from life, so don't take yada yada from your wireless provider. Metro by T-Mobile has no contracts, no credit checks, no surprises, and not a yada yada, which honestly gives so much peace of mind. Like you shouldn't have to compromise for an okay option with sacrifices when you really deserve that full transparency. Stop by one of over 6,000 Metro stores nationwide. I wouldn't say this was the most eventful episode of Jersey by any means, but on a kind of personal note, do you know how much of a mindfuck it is to 
watch them be at all these places that you know you go to frequently. Obviously, I grew up in Jersey and Oceano specifically, the restaurant that Bill and Jennifer are having this very intense discussion at is the very same place that we had my grandma's unveiling at. <laughs> so we go right from the cemetery to this dinner at Oceanos. So that's, you know, very much associated with me, this like sentimental place. And now I'm watching Jennifer and Bill Aiden like hash out their infidelity issues in their marriage. And it was just <laughs> a very interesting uh, place for me to be at. I got to tell you. Well, that's hilarious. Um, <laughs> I, yeah, I agree. I know. It's like, that's how I feel when I watch people in New York. Like, it's crazy to see them. Like, what are you doing here? You know, on your screen. It's really, really a wild experience. But <laughs> I felt that way, but in a different form, which is that my sister and I are dealing with my parents selling our childhood home. And to see the Geodice girls going through like their bow closets in a house that I feel like I've sort of grown up in through them watching on the show. I mean, it's so sentimental and such a part of everything. Iconic. I, I was like crying hysterically just watching that too, because it hit so close to home. Isabel texted me mid-episode at 8.14 p.m. She goes, Tess and I are obviously crying at them moving. I said, it's the ugliest house in America, but God, am I sad for them to leave it. And she goes, amen. <laughs> <laughs> Truer That's words have never been spoken. I know. It's like, you know what? Yeah. Sue me. I'm going to miss those angel doors. I can't lie. I can't lie. Also, just to continue on the discussion from last week, like, yeah, wasn't the most eventful episode of Jersey in general. I wouldn't say it's the most eventful season. So I fully appreciate Teresa coming in hot. I'm never going to shame her for that. I love it. But th this stuff is just feeling very stale to me. I know. I feel like we're falling back in a trap of like, I don't really know what they're fighting about. And I also am really sick of what they are fighting about. I... I don't know what's true or what's not true, but I almost don't really care because I think everyone is sort of set in their friendship and set in their ways and feel the way that they feel about all of these things going down. Jenna's dealing with the aftermath of the affair coming out. Teresa is dealing with being with Louie and not wanting anyone to even look his direction. And then Melissa, Marge, and Jackie are great friends. They're dealing with their own personal things in their lives, but they are pretty set in their friendships too. And like you said last week, they're never going to rock the boat on those. So I, I don't know. It almost feels like a really broken friend group, but also I think they get along and like each other. I just want to either see them have a lot of fun or fight about something that actually is worth fighting over that we can follow. Right. Worth fighting over and also new. And the thing about Teresa, like I said, I mean, I fucking love her. I never want her to leave, but I do find that the complete lack of acknowledgement of any sort of hypocrisy is so infuriating. Like they are all right when they say that even the slightest question about Louis sends her over the edge. And it's true because she assumes that any ounce of curiosity or questioning is a direct attack. And sometimes it is, but sometimes it's really not. And if that's going to be the hill she's going to die on, like if she really believes that, that's fine. But you can't then abandon that thought process when it applies to you. Like <laughs> It's just imagine if the roles were reversed. Imagine if they were at Louis' birthday party and Jackie was going around asking people if they've heard the rumor about an affair. It's like, I don't know. It's it's so hard to want to band behind her, even though I love her. She's one of my favorite housewives of all time. Yeah, I feel the same way. Also, she just hates Margaret. And I don't know if that's because she thinks that Margaret is – the smartest one there and in, in a way actually the hardest person to go up against. But her hatred for Margaret overshadows a lot of times, I think, any sort of being rational. Although if I'm Teresa, I get why Margaret grinds your gears because she does bring up things that most other people are maybe too afraid to or just don't want to go there. Right. That's, I think, the problem is that she is willing to say things and go against Teresa in a way that Teresa is just not used to. Right. I think that that's what's happening. Also, I really would like to talk about the Jackie plotline for a moment. Holy shit. She is being as open as I think I've ever seen any housewife. You know, as I was watching the episode this week, I 
had the thought process in my head of trying to compare this to other times when I really felt like a housewife was being very vulnerable. And then I kind of stopped myself and I was like, why am I doing this? It's not productive. Like I don't need to rank this level of vulnerability. I can just accept it for what it is, which is very, very courageous. And I think for me, aside from the subject matter being so sensitive and something that I personally feel very connected to, not that I've been through this, but I've just witnessed it a lot in my own life with people that I, I know and love. It's not that she's just opening up to the world about it. It's that she's actually confronting it for the first time in her life in a very, very long time. And that is what I think is so powerful. You know, it's like she doesn't know how to do this. She's never done it before. It's not like she's been dealing with this in therapy and now she's letting the public in to her therapy journey. She's tackling this with us. For the first time on camera with everybody to see. So think yes. about like people go through this in their everyday life getting treatment, figuring out issues that they've had for decades in the privacy of their own home or with their family. And it is the hardest thing in the world. So then to bring in everyone else's opinions, have eyeballs on you while you do it for the greater good, I believe truly is it's, it's really a, a gift because this is not a story, a real true story that we get to see told a lot of times, like it's usually behind closed doors. So to bring this awareness and a true understanding to all the people who are watching the show, who either have gone through something, will go through something, know people who are going through something like this, it's really, it's honestly incredible. I think that for people who are experiencing or have experienced this, in addition to feeling a sense of relatability to Jackie, I think probably the most powerful thing is that she is giving such a window into helping people in those people's lives better understand how to help, you know, yes. because it's very rare that someone could take you through their own journey in the way that she's doing because you don't have cameras following your every move. And most people don't have their loved ones in their therapy session. I'm not saying they can, a lot of times they can, but this is just so, so intimate. So it really is a very powerful education tool in terms of helping people that are close to someone struggling and, and understanding how to navigate that. And like I said previously, Evan is such a profound example of unconditional and non-judgmental support. But the thing about this particular disease is that obviously, you know, a lot of it comes down to control and that's something she struggles with. And one of the first things with this is that you have to like almost accept a sense of I am powerless over this, which is a really, really hard thing to come to terms with, obviously, because the whole way this manifests itself is an overwhelming need to control every single step of it. So I have so much to say on this that I am like trying to stop myself because I'm not, I don't mean to go on and on, but I was moved by this in a way that I'm not going to be able to communicate. Yeah, no, this was, it was incredible. I really feel the same way. Yeah. God, when she's talking about like what it would mean for her to get ice cream with her children. And then when Evan in his confessional says that they've never been on a vacation for more than four nights because the idea of not being able to control her meals for longer than that is too overwhelming of a thought to her. I think that there were a lot of people watching this that have never heard that before. And to hear it outlined in a way like that was probably very jarring. And then on the flip side, there were a lot of people that have been dealing with that and have never heard it expressed on TV in this way. And I, oh my God, it's... I think I was overwhelmed by how moved I know people were that are struggling. That's what I think it was because I know people in my own life that would be. It's it's just it's powerful shit. I really fucking commend this woman. Good for you. And and good for Evan for for just being on this journey in such a compassionate way. Yes, he was incredible and I think a lot of people watching will learn from him and also learn just so much from hearing her firsthand. Yeah. Talk about more than a pretty face. He is more than a pretty face. Oh, yeah. Doing your hair has the potential to be such a time-consuming process if you're not using products that really work for you and honestly really work with you. And for me, I'd say generally speaking, my hair is pretty easy to manage, but it does get frizzy. I have a lot of split ends, so I'm always looking for things to manage the frizz. And recently, I've been into a new product from Way. It's their anti-frizz cream. So it's a really lightweight cream. It provides immediate frizz control that lasts up to 72 hours and also heat protection up to 450 degrees. So you're kind of killing two birds with one stone. And the thing I really like about it is that it helps reduce and repair split ends while quenching dry hair with intense hydration. So you can feel like it just feels good on your hair. For me, I get out of the shower. I always spray in the leave-in conditioner. I've told you guys about that before, but I love it. 
a little anti-frizz cream and you're good to go. I also, I mean, I love a lot of things from Way, but I like their detox shampoo. I don't use that every week, maybe once a week, maybe once every other week, but I feel like it gives my hair a really, really good clean. Frizz free up your schedule with Way. Go to dot com and enter promo code CELEBS for 15% off any product. That's dot com promo code CELEBS. Okay, so anyone who knows me, and honestly, at this point, anyone who listens to the podcast, because I guess we've just <laughs> gotten real close around here, knows that I do not wear bras. And like, that's not some sort of an over-exaggeration. You can ask any of my friends. I truly do not ever wear bras. However, there have recently been some circumstances where like, I just have to. I've been saying yes to more things. I feel like we've been going to more events and there are just some outfits. I got to do it. And when I tell you I have finally found a bra that makes wearing one bearable, like I'm never going to be an everyday bra wear. It's not in the cars for me. But when I have to, the only bras I can wear are skims which I'll get into the specific ones in a second, but we all know this comes as no surprise. Like I have been an OG diehard Skims fan since day one. I am a fan of every single product they make. You know the way I feel about the underwear, the clothes, all of it. But now adding bras to the mix, specifically the Fits Everybody t-shirt bra, because you guys know the way I feel about the Fits Everybody collection. I could talk about that for forever, but specifically the t-shirt bra, it's just so comfortable. I don't know, the straps don't dig into you. It's Probably the only bra I've ever worn where when I get home, I'm not like dying to take it off, which I cannot express how massive of a feat that is for someone like me. It's just comfortable and it just does what it needs to do. And I am such a fan, which like no surprise, I love everything Skims makes, but here to confirm the bras are as good as you would think that they are. Shop Skims bras at skims.com, now available in 62 sizes, 30A through 46H, If you haven't yet, be sure to let them know we sent you. After you place your order, select podcast in the survey and select our show in the drop-down menu that follows. In terms of OC, um, (laughs) anything you'd like to say? (laughs) Like, what is going on? Are we we in the wrong or is it as... um, uneventful as I feel it is. I, I can't really tell it's because- It's boring. I know, but sometimes I feel like we get DMs of people, like really kind messages of people being like, I don't know. I feel like you guys didn't really discuss OC. And it's like, no, you're totally right. We didn't. I just, what what are what is there to say? I don't really know. It's like, while I'm watching it, I am enjoying it. I think it's because it is so mindless. Like, yeah, some may argue like all housewives are mindless, you know, escape TV shows to most people, not necessarily to me because we take them very seriously. But I'm watching like so little happens and I don't take any notes really because there's not a lot to write down that I just like to hear them talk, I think. And maybe people feel that way. But in terms of us discussing it, I really don't think there's that much to talk about. I They're fighting over basically nothing. It's like, oh, you FaceTimed and you wanted to have more fun than us while we were in New York. Like, I'm sorry, I don't have time for that. I really have checked out on Noella. I really enjoy watching Gina, Emily, and Heather together, which is great. Jen, I I like Jen a lot as a person. Her party was very nice, but her and Ryan need to break up. I like her a lot as a person, but I just, again, don't feel this investment in their marriage. I just want her to be happy because I like her as a person. And that's sort of, that's it. Yeah, those bullet points are kind of exactly what I was experiencing. I mean, listen, to Noella's credit, because I have not jived with her at all this season, dealing with the death of your parent, no matter your relationship, is a hard thing to go through on camera. And I felt that this was maybe the most connected I had felt to her because I felt that she was being really open and it wasn't performative. I felt like she was really just going through the very complex emotions she was experiencing. So I can appreciate that from anyone. A weird thing that's happening for me is that I disagree with most of what Shannon does, but I'm realizing that I have a real soft spot for her for some reason. Mm-hmm. I don't know where it comes from. I, I'm i not saying it's an excuse for her behavior in the slightest, but I don't know. I think maybe it's because she is nostalgic to me in terms of Tamara and Vicky and she like reminds me of them in the slightest, but I disagree with her. I also don't want her to go anywhere. Yeah, it's hard. I feel like I miss the old Shannon because she used to be a little more balanced, whereas now I feel a lot of things are just like womp, womp, womp. Whereas, you know, she had used to have a lot of highs and lows in the older seasons. And I do think she's so happy in her life. Her business is booming. She's in a great relationship. But 
we're not really seeing that much of that. And she's also not bringing that energy to the table. Maybe it's because the group of women that are hanging out together are not necessarily her cup of tea and also kind of as a group have a very weird dynamic. I think that a lot of pieces are there. It's just a little off balance. We'll see what happens. I mean, listen, I'm not turning it off. It's not as bad as last season. I don't think anything could be. And their reunion was a legitimate reunion, which you know how I feel about last season. So thank God for that. But yeah, I, I mean, I'm just I'm just holding on and I'm not really expecting that much. Is there anything else that you would like to mention about anything? I think that's it. I am so excited for Summer House next week. Oh my God. And I think we're going to get some trailers and some new exciting stuff. So hopefully by the time we're back next week, we'll have a ton to discuss. I just have one final question. And the second I finish asking it, like just say it the first thing that comes to your mind. Don't think about it all. Okay. Okay. And forget about the order because I honestly don't even know what's coming back. If I asked you right now, what show are you the most excited for to come back? Again, take time out of it. What's your answer? Uh, Ultimate Girl Trip. <laughs> Is funny. that allowed? My- Yes, totally allowed. But okay, fine. Removing Ultimate Girls Trip, what would you say? It doesn't have to be Housewives. It could include Southern Charm. Oh, God. Potomac, I think. Mine's Potomac, hands down. I don't know, though. I do feel really, really, really passionate about Beverly Hills, and I think we're going to get a good season. We, I, th- I totally think we are. I just found myself, and I think it was because of the announcement of Karen's spinoff, I just found myself really missing Potomac. Like When we're there, I'm like, okay, I am home. Yeah. I also think seeing all of the women were at the Elton John Oscars party together and they were like full glam. I was like, you know what? I really have been craving this. And hello, Em, we forgot. We're getting Will Smith's ex-wife on the season of Beverly Hills. Yeah, And they're filming right now. Oh my God. I completely forgot until you just said that. Holy shit. Holy shit. And she was at the Oscars. Is this being talked about? I did literally did not realize until you just said that. No, like, yeah, it is, but I don't think everyone realizes, like, the gravity of that. Wow. I mean, one thing about anybody in Will Smith's orbit, they're going to talk about it. Hell yeah, they're going to talk about it. Yeah, wow, that's good TV. Okay, well, love you guys so much. Thank you, as always, for listening and for letting us do this. And like we always say, just our opinions that will probably change the second after we finish recording this. So thank you, and we love you so much. We'll see you next week. Thank you.